Pray with me. Jesus, you paid it all. And on the cross, you declared to tell us die, paid in full. And our area now is simply receiving that which you have purchased with your precious blood, which we just celebrated. Broken body and shed blood for saving, delivering, and granting us eternal life. Lord Jesus, be exalted, be magnified. Lord, all kinds of things are swirling around in our nation, our state, in the world. But you're the Lord. And you said, I'm, I'm the Lord and I change not. And Jesus Christ, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we believe that. We've declared that as we sang these things. As we look to your word, Lord, we're going to talk about unity tonight. One thing that unifies us is our desperate need for you 24-7 in everything. And I ask, Spirit of God, would you begin to open our eyes to see what needs to be seen, to be able to address what needs to be addressed. Not by the works of the flesh, but by the power of God and the supernatural love of Jesus Christ. Father, you so love that you gave Jesus so that we could have an eternal quality of life when we make you Lord in our life. And I pray, Lord, that this night that we would learn more how to walk in that. You said if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the desire of the flesh. Because the spirit gives life, flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. Spirit of God, would you speak to us tonight? So that it's not my words that are heard, it's your word that is heard. And we simply receive, Lord, we anticipate receiving good news tonight because it comes from you. It's what the gospel is, it's good news. And we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Continuing on in faith series, this will be faith 318, the process of unity and peace. Well, Les, why'd you pick up that subject? Well, first of all, the Lord's been quickening this to me for an extended time frame. But I believe right now it's one of, we need to be able to center in on the values of the king. The king is exalted. He said, you said very clearly, all power both in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now you go, go proclaim, proclaim this, making disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So that's our mandate. The mandate is Jesus Christ and him exalted and magnified. It's not about my will, it's about his will. And we're going to look at some of those things very clearly tonight. So one of my little lessons is the process is the goal. Stay in the process. So what's the process? Well, the definition one definition is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. Well, that's kind of dictionary thing. One of the other terms would be transform. <clears throat> Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind so that you might know what the will of God is, even his good and perfect will for you. And a term that Rick's been using often, and I use a lot too, is sanctification to make holy or purify or cleanse. <laughs> I have my own term for this. I call it being saved some more. It's ongoing, continuous action of a supernatural process. And I think that's partly what we're missing in our world today, and not only in the world, but in the church as well, is we haven't valued the supernatural power of God. And so these are the things that the Lord is drawing us back into again. You know, he says straight away, the love call is always the same. He says, come child, come as you are, not as you ought to be. Bring your stuff and let's deal with this. He says, come to me when you're overburdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Here's the phrase, learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest for your soul. Not a whole lot of rest going on, but rest comes when we get into the spirit, we are able to hear the Lord we hear his word, we obey his word, we walk in it, and we do it together. 
Jake's brought this out, preached half my sermon already at communion, and I love it. These are so important. Unity, that's unity, and I'm going to enlarge on that. But salvation, eternal life, is huge. And I believe that these are the kinds of things you can only learn together. We learn it from Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, from the Word of God, but we have to learn it from each other as well because we're one body. We're not scattered, and we are desperately in need to learn and receive from each other. This is Titus chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 4. When the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, here's the phrase, the renewing or the transforming or the process by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Eternal life is huge. And these are the kinds of things when we get all stirred up about whatever's going on in our world or our own personal world or the world around us, we lose sight of the eternal quality of life that we've been given to live. So we're going to look at a lot of scripture and I hope you have your Bible with you because we're going to go a number of places. So I want to give you an overview of equipping to serve. That's part of the whole premise of what I want to teach is that we learn how to serve one another. Jesus said the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And I think most of you that have heard my sermon from the last time I preached the boys were jockeying for position and they were arguing about which one of them was the greatest and Jesus takes a little child, he puts him in the midst. He says, listen, boys, if you don't become like this child, humble and receiving, you're not even going to go into the kingdom of heaven. And right up to the last minute, even at the last supper, this thing was going on with the boys in that area. And so it wasn't until Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended and the power of the spirit came that they began to get figured out how much they needed each other as well. So let me define unity here for a moment. Unity or one is heis. It means to be united closely in will and spirit, unity of heart and purpose and destiny. Destiny is we're going somewhere. The rapture's coming, people. We need to be prepared for this. We need to be having understanding. This is not the final event. We can't clean this thing up and make it work. This thing is destined for destruction. But in the interim, our area is to be able to serve Jesus Christ by his grace to other people to be able to find the eternal quality of life that we've been given as believers. And the word bond, the bond of peace, that which binds things together. It's also used of ligaments, which the members of the human body are united together. That's a key area the bond, how much we need each other. And there are joints and things that attach us to one another as well that sometimes uh, need some assistance in that dimension because we like to pick and choose who we have relationship with. Problem is Jesus and the head, are as the head, are attached to the body. And it's the whole body. If you're in Christ, you belong. And I hope to point that out very clearly as we look at gifts, etc., it's to each one, everyone, all of us. It's an inclusive area so that we begin to function together in the way that Jesus has ordained for that area. So let's go to John 17. Good place, wasn't it, Jake? <clears throat> I love that. Jake knew a little bit what I was going to talk about, but he didn't know I was going to use John 17. So that is such encouraging to me. See, this is exactly what I'm talking about. The gifts of the Spirit work together. And one gift triggers another. We were in some intercession this morning with several of us, and we were watching how the Spirit of God was moving among us in that area. Somebody would say something or read a scripture, and then all of a sudden somebody else would have something that they didn't have before because one gift releases another gift. And that's the way this thing has been designed to work. It's the way the human body works. 
So John 17, I'm going to begin with verse 1. These things Jesus spoke. Incidentally, this has been called the high priestly prayer. I call this the Lord's Prayer. The prayer that's normally been called the Lord's Prayer is in uh, Matthew 6 and in Luke 11. I call that the disciples' prayer because they said, teach us how to pray. Then Jesus taught them. But Jesus now is in their session for the boys, and you'll see in a moment, for us as well. And uh, this is just a little side, no extra charge for this. If you want to learn how to pray, begin to pray the prayers of the New Testament. This is a great place to start. Ephesians 1, 17 to 23, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, and Colossians 9, uh, 1, 9 through 14. These are prayers of the New Testament that will teach you a format of how to pray and how to intercede. And I got, pray, I got saved praying the one in Ephesians 1. So these are cardinal areas of learning how to pray and how to pray the Word of God. We preach the Word, but you all have to pray the Word of God as well and believe the Word of God, and then we act on the Word and we do it together. These things Jesus spoke, lifting up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all mankind, that to whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, the know him isn't know about him. The know him is receive him. Receiving the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's the most important decision any person can ever make is receiving that. And then it isn't a one-time event. Yeah, we get saved initially in that area, but we talked about that a moment ago. It's ongoing, continuous action of a supernatural process. That's what sanctification is. Now, if you'll drop down with me to verse 11. <clears throat> This whole chapter, we could spend the whole night here, and I would love to do that, but we're headed someplace. I wanted you to get Jesus' view on oneness and unity. <clears throat> you see, Jake, two are better than one. They have a good reward for their labor, see? Yeah, I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one. There's our word, heis again, even as we are one. <clears throat> now, in this verse, keep them in your name. So what name is that? Well, we could say the name of Jesus, name above every name. The sound of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. But there's also every name. So it isn't just one specific name, I believe. I believe it's all the names of Jesus that reveal his character of who he is and he's demonstrated. That's the glory that Jesus showed to the boys during that time frame. He manifests what the Father, he's the exact representation of the Father. And that's huge. So the, the area of understanding, it's more than just the name of Jesus. I mean, I love the name of Jesus but all the other areas of Yahweh on and Lord Almighty, it just goes on and on. There's a, a connection with who Jesus is and who he's made us to be in that oneness. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Now it's interesting, Job, Moses, Elijah, and Jonah all asked to be taken out of the world. I mean, they were just done with whatever's going on. They were just ready to, to go. And the answer always was, no, stay and complete the work that you've been given to do. And every one of them completed by an anointing of God that was amazing. Now, I suppose most of you, like me, have looked to a, an escape from all kinds of different things. Most of the time, it's been selfish and it's been flesh. Now, I have deep desire to go be with Jesus, but there's a whole bunch of things I would like to avoid, some of which is what I'm doing right now. I whole lot rather be down there praying for Rick in this area, but God's given me an anointing of this as well, and I have a, a love for the Word of God, and there's something about wanting to give it away and wanting to do that. We press through things that are difficult. I still remember one night leaving the house 
for an appointment Don and I had arranged. And I hadn't said anything to anybody, but I'm thinking, oh, I so wished I could just stay home tonight. I'm just exhausted. And I heard the Lord say this to me, and I hadn't said anything to him. He, of course, he knows what I was thinking anyhow. But he said, this isn't about you. This is about so someone else can receive a blessing. We went to that meeting, and it didn't turn out at all like I thought it was. What it turned out to be is this person was sharing with me all the things that we prayed about previously and all the answers. And I virtually had to do nothing but receive the blessing that God had given in that moment. Man, it was a humbling experience. But I had to come to an understanding that our area is to serve up the grace of God by Jesus Christ and by his love and grace. And there's just good news in this whole thing. Now, <clears throat> the will of the Father and the will of the Son are the same. John 6, starting with verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all he has given me, I lose nothing and raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify is to purify, to make holy, to set apart for a holy purpose. See, the word of God is Jesus Christ. And when we're in Christ, that is the, the essence of the purifying process. In Colossians, it says that your real life is hid with Christ in God. So as, as we've been joined to his body and become part of him, there's a transforming work that's there. Our only area is to submit to that and surrender to it. Surrender is to voluntarily give oneself over to the power of God. And I believe that that's one of the things that he's doing in this pause season. I know he's doing that with me in multiple areas. Surrender that to me. That's in your heart. Let's give that to me. Release this. Let go of that. And that we can step into that place where the sanctifying process is something I embrace. It's something that I don't resist. Now, verse 18. As you did send me into the world, I also send them into the world. Being sent, and we used that word earlier in, uh, in Matthew 28, where he says, go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations. Also in Acts 1.8, it says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. So there's an empowerment. We're looking at some of these things that he's giving us to do by his grace. Verse 19, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they, may, they themselves also may be sanctified in truth or in me, we could just say. Verse 20, now if you don't have this underlined in your Bible, highlight it or do something with it where you grab hold of it and make this verse your own. <clears throat> Because this is where we get into it. First, he's praying for the boys. Now he's praying for us. And so that everything he said previous to that belongs to us as well. See, I've learned to explain myself into the word of God, not out of it. I believe this stuff. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. Now, every one of us has come along that line. If we traced it back somewhere along the line, it came all the way down from the boys, from Jesus, through Paul, through all the other apostles in that area. This stuff belongs to us. He says, for they, that they may all be one. There's our word again. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you did send me. Now, you can stay there for a minute. I'm going to back up to uh, John 14, where Jesus is talking to the boys about the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him 
and we will come to him and make our abode with him. That's huge. See, that's where the oneness and the joining together, this is a supernatural process. How does this work? I do not know. I just know it's true because I've experienced it. It's something of the glory of God and the anointing of God that he's given us to be joined to him. That's what puts passion in our heart. Those are the things that stir us to action. And Peter says, gird your minds for action. Well, what kind of action? Give this away. Get it first. Can't give away what you don't have. And then give it to somebody. Because it's part of the principle of the kingdom. If you want to keep any of this, you've got to give it away. Otherwise, you start stockpiling. It's kind of like the manna that, you know, they did in the wilderness. Person is just not good. And we, we get grumpy and we get self-narcissistic in this thing. So we've, we've got to be able to give away what he's given to us. That's why he sent us into the world as he sent the boys. Verse 22. In the glory which you have given to me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. Don't miss this phrase now that they may be perfected or completed in unity. This is huge. You've got to do it with one another. That the world may know that you did send me and did love them even as you did love me. So the perfected is bringing something to conclusion, something to completion, the completing work. See, we do get saved by ourselves, generally. Sometimes people get saved in the meeting or whatever else, but sooner or later, you have to have a relationship with another believer. That's how you grow. That's how you increase. And I am so grateful for Doug Shepard and how he mentored me, discipled me in that early season. I grew up as a church kid, but boy, did I need to be discipled in the word of God by the power of the spirit. And so that's the blessing of being able to connect with other believers and to learn from each other in this process. Now, it can't be, uh, no, I've got this written differently. I, less, can't be perfected or completed without you. That's what I'm saying to Jake. What are you hearing, man? I need to hear what you're hearing. And we learn together. We process together in these things. And we, we understand things because Jake's got different insight than what I do. But when we put it together, something grows on the inside of us. Something's triggered off between us. And that's what I want us to see. I need what God has given you to value all the parts of his body in the bridge and beyond. And I think there's been, it's one of the reasons we got so many denominations is because there's been so much strife. Well, I don't like the way you do that. And then we separate from one another rather than wrestle it through with the word of God and by the spirit. And even if we don't agree, we're still part of the body. And I think this is part of what God is dealing with all of us, right? We got an attitude that needs an attitude adjustment, an adjustment that comes by the sanctifying work of the spirit of God. And because he says, you love them even as you love me. You know, that's huge. You know, there, there's some folks that think, well, you know, maybe not. And so I can find excuses for not having a relationship with some people because I don't think like I do. Well, you know, I figured out in my light and fast mind that my criteria may not be so good. And generally, when I submit that to the Lord, this other person that I may not have had relationship or desire to have relationship with has something that I desperately need. And I've had multiples of those areas. It's a very humbling area. We're going to look at some of the things that are necessary. And I guarantee you, humility is a primary weapon in spiritual warfare. And we figure we're not quite as sharp as we think we are. Boy, and I have learned that one the hard way. Go with me now to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. I read this as in our opening, but I'm going to read it again because it's the lead-in to chapter 4. We're going to spend some extended time frame here also recognizing how incredibly important. See, the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. So if you find something in one place, you find it in another place, there's confirming word. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be confirmed. 
We're going to see that here in a moment, confirming what Jesus has taught us in John 17. Verse 20 of chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think, Amplified says, or even imagine, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. There's something of the things that have been passed down to us generationally that are the good things. Sometimes we have to clean up some generational messes that have been brought down through a generational line. But there's also been some amazing things that those that have gone before have passed down to us. I think of all the older people. Uh, Corny Rinches was one of my mentors. He was like 103 when he died. And I remember uh, Jim Hutch Hutchins and I going up to see Corny when he was, I think he was either 99 or 100. He was as sharp as a tack in that area. He had a little hard time hearing. But boy, when he prayed for us, it was amazing. And so these are treasures that have come down through the generational line that are incredibly important to us. That's why the, the forever and ever. Going on to chapter four. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. That's huge. Calling is a divine invitation to receive Jesus, what Jesus has laid in store for us. John 1 verse 12 says, To as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. And Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself witnesses together with our spirit that we are children of God. In 1 John 3, John says, See what an incredible quality of love the fathers bestowed upon us that we might be privileged to be named children of God and such we are. So that identity of who we are in Christ Jesus, I, I've asked a lot of people over the years, who are you? And people have given me all kinds of interesting answers. <laughs> I so remember Larry, sorry, I'm going to tell on you again. I said this to Larry Kroll one day and he, I said, Larry, who are you? He says, I'm Larry the mailman. I said, no, you're not. You're a son of the living God. That's who you are. Don't you ever tell me you're Larry the mailman again. Now, he, we've gone around this bush a time or two, but it's identity. I wanted to get him to get a hold of who they are. And for every one of you that's listening, if you, listening, if you are in Christ Jesus, that is your primary identity as a son or daughter of the living God. You've been blood bought by Jesus Christ. And if you begin to own that and begin to recognize that will give you the, the chutzpah and the passion to be able to share who you have been made to be and what's available. See, this is the base of this whole teaching is seeing what's available in Christ Jesus currently to be able to walk in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and who are called, there's our word again, according to his purpose. Not my purpose, his purpose, unless his purpose and mine are the same. Now that's a whole other world. <clears throat> this wasn't in my notes, but I was impressed to share this with you as well. This is 1 Corinthians 1. I'll start with verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. So there's something of, it's kind of how we get into this thing. See, he's chosen the foolish things in that area. I remember uh, my uh, youth pastor friend in, in Federal Way, we were walking through the foyer one day and I said, Billy, isn't it amazing that Jesus lets us do this? You know, the area of being able to minister to people. What a privilege it is to be able to share the gospel and to be able to move in that. Now, verse 30, it says, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, here's our word, sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We belong. Jake, we belong to Jesus Christ. 
we're, we're blood-bought sons. You're my brother and you can't do anything about it, man. <laughs> Glory to God for it. Back to Ephesians chapter uh, 4, start with verse 2. Here's our word. So walking worthy with the calling with which we've been called as sons and daughters, with all humility, gentleness, and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. See, love covers a multitude of sin. That's why Peter says, keep fervent in your love for one another. You know, when you're in loving somebody, even you're in disagreement with them, you're loving them, you're praying for them in that area. It's really hard to be grumpy with them. <clears throat> it's things that will heal a lot of things when we walk in the light together and we care about someone else. And you may the thing, don't care about your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. That will take us a long ways. Now, here's our, our key verse, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's something of want to and desire to please the Lord. Jesus said, I didn't come down to my own, do my own will, but it came down to do the will of the Father that we all might experience eternal life. If that's our passion, boy, we can lay down a whole bunch of foolishness and put up with things that, we normally wouldn't when we have that in mind that another person could experience the eternal life of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, if we haven't got enough of the word one, we're going to have some more here picking up with verse four. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. So if you don't have those alls circled in your Bible, that's incredibly important so that we come to an understanding of the inclusiveness of this. This is such a vital area. And it comes, I believe, not by information, but by revelation. And so as we begin to intercede for this, we surrender our heart, we surrender our will or desires or passions or whatever it is to Jesus and allow him to do a deep work of sanctification. He's been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. The redemption, sometimes we get, need to be redeemed from our own flesh. Well, I certainly have. So the oneness, now, verse 7, he just continues on. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. I got to thinking about that whole measure. How do you measure Christ's gift? I mean, it is just beyond description. It's just huge. And it includes everyone. We're drawn into that area of relationship. So you can keep your finger here, but go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to look again what Peter has to say about some of these things. And the, the each one, it's just the, the more I studied this, the more I found how many times it's identifying each one individual. Take a look at this. So 1 Peter chapter 4, I'm going to start with verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it or put it to work in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The, the special gift there is the word charisma. It's the, the spiritual gift. It's extraordinary powers enabling us to serve the church of Christ, the reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operating in our spirits by the Holy Spirit. These are supernatural gifts that God has given to each one, as each one has received that. So I don't have anything. Well, I, I, I can relate to that because when I first got saved and filled with the Spirit, I didn't have a clue what my gifting was. And we did a, a gift test one time and it came out that I was an exhorter. And I said, well, I didn't know I was an exhorter. And they said, well, that's what you do all the time. You're always encouraging us and, and using the word of God and, and et cetera. And I said, well, I guess that's, Part of what I am anyhow, because an exhorter doesn't want to just tell this to you. He wants you to get it and use it and work it and function in it and be who God's called you to be. I have great passion for that. 
And the staff knows that because I, every once in a while, I'm stirring. Okay, what are you hearing from God? What's going on in your life? And we're doing it together. And then we're learning together. Then he says, serving one another. You know, the last time I said, like we were talking about before, the boys weren't looking to serve one another. Particularly at the Last Supper, you know, it's Jesus that gets up and washes feet. You know, nobody wanted to do that lowly job because the boys were still jockeying for position in that area. It's time to lay down our position, no measuring, no comparing with anybody else in that area. Just be who God's called you to be. That will release a lot of the body to become functional. And we'll look at that a little bit more. And then it says, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. A steward is one that's been given something by someone else and has control over another's area. This stuff belongs to the Lord, but he's given us the privilege of being able to give it away to somebody. The manifold grace of God, and grace there is karst in its capacity or ability to uh, do to the grace of God. It's supernaturally been imparted to us to walk some of these things out. Now, verse 11, whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Wow, that's pretty intense to start with. So Paul says this over here in Ephesians 4, verse 29, in regard to speaking, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is as good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. As a word in Proverbs says, if you've done foolishly and exalted yourself, lay your hand on your mouth. I've had to do that a time or two. And I believe because it isn't necessarily, it's not a true thing, but it didn't need to be spoken. And those are the things where you're, you're speaking something or you're doing something on Facebook or an email, check it out with the Lord. Is this something that needs to be released or is this something that should be silenced and prayed about? I think there's a lot of times when we would have prayed. I know for sure in my case, if I had prayed about it, I wouldn't have said what I did. And I didn't have messes that I had to clean up later and go and apologize. Which is absolutely essential if we foul things up. So the, the area of, of speaking and establishing that. And I've already talked about this a little bit about how one gift triggers another and why unity is so important. And we need help from each other. Adam needed a suitable, a helper that was suitable for him. That's why I have Donna. Because she helps me with everything. And I could not begin to do what I've done over a lot of years without her. And it's the things that we minister together and we function together. And there's so often that we trigger off things from one another. I'll be ministering along and then all of a sudden Donna will say something and I go, oh, wow, that's exactly what we need. And there are times I've said something that's triggered off to her. So we're learning to walk together in the things of the spirit. And so those of you that are married, I just would encourage you in that area, learn how each other functions in your gifts and help each other in that area. Help, I'm going to do a study on this one time in the gifts of the spirit, the gift of helps. I've had a lot of people that have helped me in my ministry and a lot of times I would have quit ministry altogether had not somebody come along and encouraged me and pointed me to what God's called me to do as well. So these are very precious things. Then it goes on here, uh, Continuing in verse 11, whoever serves, let him do so <clears throat> with a strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion, which is a governmental term in the spirit realm forever and ever. Amen. That does not mean I'm done. <laughs> We're just getting started. <clears throat> The strength which God supplies. So how does he supply that? Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do all things through him or through Christ who strengthens me. And verse 19 says, My God shall liberally supply and fill to the full your every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
He provides these things for us. <clears throat> so let's go back now to Ephesians chapter 4 and we'll pick up where we left off. And we're going to look at now some of the equipping that's necessary to do the things that we've been called to do. Verse 11. <clears throat> Actually, I want to start, go back to verse 7 here for a moment. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And this is what he gives. Verse 11, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. Equipping is completing work. It's establishing pardon me, what God has given to each one of us and released these things into our lives as well through other leaders. I think of all those that have ministered to me and I've had a lot of teaching over the years um, through uh, cassette tapes, which some of you know what those are, and through CDs and through conferences and through churches and pastors and through Rick. You know, I've been working alongside Rick now for a lot of years, and I've learned so much from him. And I just would encourage you, you know, we've got a whole library. And if you want to learn some of these things and how they function and that, he's one of the best Bible teachers I've ever been around, and I've been around a bunch of them. So I just, you know, Rick doesn't know I'm saying that. He's paid me to say it. But anyhow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you because this is real. I say a little bit of that in jest, but this is so good. And we have been so privileged to have Rick all this time frame and for me to be ministering alongside him. So he's one of the pastor teachers. It's, it's like a, a commonality. I know that you can really separate pastor teacher in that area. It's shepherding, it's equipping, and it's establishing something, again, that's supernatural. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity, there's our word, of the faith. So faith, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please him. But he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It isn't just what he does, it's who he is. He's imparting something supernatural of himself to us as we're implanted into him. Um. Unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs, don't miss this word, the fullness of Christ. John 1 verse 16 says, out of his fullness we've all received even grace upon grace. Or I love the translation that says grace for grace. So I have to receive grace to be able to extend more grace or receiving more grace in the process of well as well. So this is the fullness. I've got this a little further in my notes, but I'm going to say it right now. Jesus never expects us to do that he, what he has not supplied us with. He's, he's given us, because he, he said, and nothing apart from him. He, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, we've gloriously proved that. So it's the area of coming to him on a continuum and receiving from him Whatever gift God has given to you, he's given an empowerment of faith to be able to do it. He authors faith and he finishes faith. So there's a continuum of receiving from him something birthed fresh and new in each given situation. It isn't about learning a process, it's learning a person. It's relational, it's intimate. And if we're moving in these kinds of things, it isn't like, okay, now I know how to do this. So we try what God was blessing over in this situation. I'm trying to impart the same thing in the next situation. It doesn't work because I've depended on what I had or what I thought worked rather than what he had in this moment now. And I think those are the areas where we are so dependent. And it's one of the reasons why I very seldom do ministry by myself. I do it with my wife or with other team members where we join together and we listen together, we receive together and we operate together in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, 
by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Or we could say by the flesh. You could just encapsulate that in one word in things of the flesh that just don't work. <clears throat> but speaking the truth in love, <clears throat> we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Now, don't miss verse 16 with me. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. There's our ligaments, the bond of peace we were talking about, things that hold it together. According to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Each individual part is important. You are incredibly important. And those that have been discounted or you've discounted yourself for whatever reason, as kindly as I can say, stop it and own who you are. Embrace who you are. Bring your part. The whole body suffers without that. Because if you have the same gifting as someone else, your part in bringing it, because you're hardwired different than anybody else on the planet, and you can bring things, man, I just think about the few people that I minister to. All of you out there have somebody that I will never even see or would not even have opportunity, nor am I equipped to minister to them. You have family members that I will never see or Rick will never see or Jake either for that matter. But you have an opportunity to be able to speak into their lives because we're in a season right now that some of these folks that have been grumpy and done not want anything to do with Jesus now, because of the circumstances of life and the world situation, they're ready to listen and they're ready to hear. So don't be chicken, speak it out, do whatever it is. I've been chicken and I've quenched the spirit more times than I care to admit. But those are areas where the Lord is giving us fresh confidence and a boldness to be able to speak a word in season to the weary one because he's given us the tongue of disciples learners to be able to learn from him so we have something to impart as good delivery boys and girls of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, go with me to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look a little bit more of the empowerments that we have been given. Now, Beginning with verse one, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. It says worship uh, reasonable in the Amplified. It's reasonable that we would do this. It's like show up for work. Do something with the things that he's given to us in that area. Present yourselves. And he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect or complete. It's that completing word again, that we're completed in the unity and the oneness. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, notice every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Just going to emphasize that every one of us is included in this. <clears throat> now, for just as we have many members in one body and all the members, don't miss this, do not have the same function. So you can't watch somebody else and just emulate what they were doing. Now, I did that. My senior pastor at the times told me, stop that. He said, quit trying to be someone else. God's put an anointing in your life. Do that and quit trying to do this other silliness. And it was the kindest thing that he could, I was just trying to how to figure out how to be a pastor. You know, just, I didn't know what I was doing. But God has given me something. I've got to be who I am. And so I take great comfort in what they said to, the, you know, Peter and the boys. And they said, they took notice of them that they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they'd been with Jesus. That's all it takes to have a gifting and anointing. Just receive Jesus, be with him, hang with him for a while and watch him and listen to it. Verse five. So we who are many are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. Now the Amplified says we're mutually dependent on one another. 
I don't think most of us have figured that one out yet. But you, you can take any part of your physical body and, it, and it's detached from the rest of your body. It will not function at all. That's a pretty graphic example. But if this finger isn't attached to this body, it's absolutely useless. And even to be able to walk across this platform area, and there, there takes coordination and ligaments and parts of my body I don't even know the names of. But when one of them isn't working, I got serious trouble. And I think the body of Christ is in that area right now. We desperately need each other. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or in he who teaches in his teaching, or in he who exhorts in his exhortation, and he who gives with liberality, who leads with diligent, diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Boy, this is a whole study on its own. I want to just talk about one gift there, and that's the first one, prophecy, because I think it's tied to all the other gifts. He who speaks in prophetic area speaks unto edification, exhortation, and comfort. Let me break that down a little bit. Edification is to build someone up. Exhortation is encouragement, and comfort is just the compassion that God has given to us. So as all these other gifts are utilized, everyone, the person that's receiving the gifting in that area will feel built up, he'll feel encouraged, and I guarantee you they'll feel comforted. Because when God speaks to another person into your life about something you don't tell anybody, and I've had a number of those in that area, boy, you talk about something of encouragement, I feel faith come in my heart when I'm in that position. So these things are huge. Okay, go with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look a little bit more about equipping. <clears throat> I just would suggest that you spend time and search these things out to see what God has equipped you with. What has he put in your heart? What has he spoken to you? What is, seems to be something that's repetitive in your life, things that you have desire for. We think, well, I never could do that. Well, maybe you can. Let's test it out. Test it with another person. Talk to someone else. Pray with another. Pray with your spouse or pray with your children or whatever it is, but help them find out who they are in Christ Jesus and what is the calling and the gifting that he's placed in all lives. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual, it doesn't say spiritual gift. That's not in the text in that area. It'll talk about gifts later on, but it's spiritual. Because remember, the natural man does not comprehend the things of the Spirit of God. He's incapable of it. But the spiritual man tries all things. So there's a learning process in becoming spiritual. It's not trying to be spiritual. It's being spiritually natural and naturally spiritual. So we get into this area because you try to be spiritual and you're generally weird. We don't need that. You just got to be who God's called you to be. Ignorant and unlearned men. That's how we, and he's chosen the foolish things of this world. That's how we get into this thing. But we're learning together and bring your foolish part if that's what you feel you have because it's necessary. It makes the whole body function. Verse four. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. And there's varieties of effect, but the same God who works all things, notice this, in all persons. Everybody's included in that. Verse 7, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the common good is for the whole body to be brought into the place that Jesus wants it to be. Verse 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. That's the will of God, to be able to first receive Jesus and then be able to move in who he's called you to be and continue to give that away. Carries on here, verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each of them in the body, just as he desired. And I've got written in the margin here, each one has worth and value. 
And so we begin to value what he values in that area. It will stimulate something in you and it'll release something in other people as well. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now we are Christ's body and individually members of it. I've got written in the margin there, you can't divide it. So there's something of that supernatural dimension that he's given to us in the privilege of being sons and daughters of the king himself. We're king's kids. Now that was distorted a number of years ago with some fleshy stuff. But the truth remains the same. We belong. We're not our own, but we belong to our faithful God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here's a couple of things. <clears throat> Own your identity. No measuring, no comparing with another person. You cannot do anyone else's gift or calling. Bring your part. We need you. No one in Jesus is unnecessary. All are valuable. So there's no competition with brothers or sisters. Just embrace who you are, a son or daughter of the living God. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation altogether. Old things have passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. There are some things, people, that need to pass away. There are dead things, there are flesh things, there's carnal things that need to wither and die. And I remember a brother shared this with me a lot of years ago. He said, sometimes we're trying to pump air into something God wants for it to die. And it just needs to be put to death and move into the fresh and new. Old things have passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Now, trust Jesus to use weak chicken hearts and pour in the spirit as our helper. The helper is available to everyone. He does not expect us to do anything by ourselves. The helper is available to all. As he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we just will figure that one out. If you're trying to do something without him, as I've heard him say to me in the past, and I've heard it several times, he said, now, Les, if I'm not doing anything in a situation, please don't do anything. All we do is create messes in that area. Watch what he's doing. You know the little deal, John 5, 19. Father, what are you doing? What's my part in it? How can I most quickly align with that? Alignment with the will of God is huge. So bottom line in this thing, and I got this from David Guzik. He's a Calvary pastor that I highly respect, and he talks about ministering or sharing together. And it goes like this. I am coming to church or home church, which we have right now, not only to receive a blessing, I am coming to give a blessing to someone. And I will ask God for an opportunity to bless someone today. This way of thinking can make the 15 minutes before a church meeting and the 30 minutes afterward the best and most exciting time of ministry. It is a big mistake for anyone to think, if I'm not up on a platform, I can't minister to someone today. Instead, they should be on the lookout for opportunities to pray with people, encourage people, help people, meet people, and love people every time they come to church. So the, the area is right now, what's my call? Be passionate about it. Be ready to deal with the flesh. I think God would appreciate a little fire in that I stole that from Crawford. And I'm not apologizing for it. So Father, we just give thanks for your grace and for the anointing of your spirit, the call that you placed on our lives as sons and daughters of the King of all the earth. And I ask you, Spirit of God, would you pour out on the Bridge Christian Fellowship and beyond a passion for the things of Jesus Christ? that we lay aside our own desires and our own passions, our own flesh, and come into a place where we're not considering ourselves, but others, and how we can help one another. And then also being good receivers from one another as well. That's our Lombano word, Lord. And I just thank you to accept what is offered. Take hold of it, not to refuse or reject. I think sometimes we've been picking and choosing and we need to come into a place where we're good receivers of the manifold grace of God, stewarding it and giving it away. That's how we grow together and how the body grows beyond the bridge, not just the bridge here, but as far as you would tend to use us by the mercies of God. So Holy Spirit, would you use 
this simple teaching, Lord, to teach all of us, starting with me, how to be able to receive what you have and then to be able to give it away in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Worship one more time.